0: Reason that we exist. You are the reason that we have forgiveness of sins. You are the reason that we breathe and have life in our very being. Come down by your power of your spirit, touch each of us, bind our hearts together for the vision mission for why he sits here at this appointed time in Fairfield. We thank you for it now. We pray. Amen. Thank you, God. Um, praise team. Thank you, Quest, Karen, Bree, Shayla, Brother DK. Well, Let's stand to our feet and Read the word of God um, from Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 19, and it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The grass withers and the flowers fade. You may be seated. Well, it's been a few weeks since I have preached. And Sandra, my wife, says it's time for you to get back. I said, well, I'm just getting used to it. But no, Quez asked me how I'm feeling. It's like, I don't know, rusty or whatever the case. You know, preaching is like writing poetry and writing poems. And so it uh, definitely pulls on a, a different part of you. So, well, anyway, Happy New Year's to everyone. It's 2022. Guess what? I got nothing new. That's a rhyme. Some of y'all didn't catch that. You know, Pastor Hardy want to be a rapper, so every now and then you'll hear a little of that um, Migo's coming out of me, so (laughs) it's 2022, I got nothing new. (laughs) I got a new suit. (laughs) You know, you see the high, you probably hear a lot of these sermons today all over America, all kinds of rhymes, it's 2022 and... It's color blue and all that kind of stuff. No, nah, I ain't got nothing new. But with all seriousness, um, God has been good to us. Um, as a local church um, located here in Fairfield. Um, in fact, um, God has been better than good to us, as the song says. He's been better than good. Um Michael's going to cover some of this, but I'm going to kind of beat him to the punch on some of it. Uh, we renovated a new worship space that we that is paid for. There is no mortgage note on it. God added to our staff full time workers, both the church and the nonprofit. God cemented our footprints here in the city of Fairfield. Um, God allowed for us to purchase next door. 4,800 building with a furniture store and a grocery store business. Possibility of being housed in the two lot spaces downstairs. And the UHLI discipleship program um, that will be upstairs consisting of Christian African American men who are college graduates living in the loft above, God willing, um, starting in the fall. Um, God has expanded um, UHCC ministry, guys, ladies, influence beyond our wildest imagination. And we have come to, to understand um, through much prayer and patience that as a ministry, in many ways, we are trailblazing. Trailblazing means to go somewhere where something hasn't been done before to lead out. And we really believe through prayer and patience that we are trailblazing as it relates to doing ministry in the urban context. By addressing as we do The family issues head on, um, the educational fallout, and what I believe to be the main urban conditions in Egypt, which is our vision, the main urban conditions in Egypt that leads to physical, social, and spiritual poverty across the board which therefore keeps the people from one generation to the next bound in Egypt. So therefore, with that being said, this is an important statement I'm about to make. Um, Here at Urban Hope, um, in our ministry, we we don't play the blame game. Um, The victim's game. The race game, the race card, which I would say it is very, 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 very easy to do, especially in these political times. But why, you would say, Pastor Hardy, we don't fall into those camps? Well, our text from today summarizes the ministry of Jesus. Who is the God man? Dion did an excellent job last week. We say the God man, he's 100% God, and he's 100% man. A mystery it is, but that's who he is. But before um, I move forward in the text, in the heart of the text from Luke, I want to make a few personal, um, statements from, from my heart as pastor. Uh, we're growing, God is adding to our numbers and, and so as staff and I were discussing, you know, as we talked about moving to the Wednesday night Bible study and the best way of doing that and et cetera. And, and so, and some know me better than others. Some know me from afar and some are getting to know me. So, and along the way, with all of what God is doing, things can get lost in the, in the expansion and the growth and, and et cetera. And so I want to kind of give a, uh, a couple statements that before um, that will lead us right into really the, the Luke passage in the text that we will be expounding upon. Um, as a servant of God. I know my story. Um, I am deeply um, burdened. And you need to know that. I'm deeply, and I don't even know deep is a strong enough word. <laughs> Some would probably carry too much, but I am what I am by the grace of God, and God knows my heart in that. But I am deeply um, burdened. By the spiritual conditions of the urban poor. Um, I have what, what they call um, a dislocated heart. You say, man, that's, what's that mean? I'll explain that. Which Chip Ingram in his book called, his book called The Holy Ambition, describes as being, which is my first slide that I want to show you. What do you mean to have a dislocated heart, Pastor? What do you mean by that? have one for the spiritual conditions he says a dislocated heart is a god-given concern that propels us out of our comfort zone and um, you know me man me preaching standing in front of people I'm way out of my comfort zone Um, it's been out so far out of the comfort zone that I don't even know how to even find the, the land to get back to it. I just, God has just done that. And, and it really has that has come about because of the dislocated heart. And Skips, Chip says it propels us out of our comfort zone. It is a passionate concern for God's people and God's agenda that supersedes our own personal comfort and prosperity. Um, I live in Fairfield moved to Fairfield, moved to Birmingham. Sandra and I get, now almost 10 years ago, left everything we knew, sold our house, lost money, moved here on this alone. Um, Never wanted to be rich, don't want to be rich. Um, It is what it is. And I just, it's all for whatever God has. It's caring about things elsewhere When circumstances don't dictate that you have to, Um, Sandra and I, um, the ministry we're doing now wasn't always true of our lives, but God in his, what he does, he burdens you, and so here it is. And then it says, it is the kind of heart the Apostle Paul demonstrated in Romans 9 when he grieved over his Israelite kinsmen, the Hebrews, didn't know Christ. And so, as an African-American pastor uh, here, God brought me to Fairfield. I, uh, I am, I have a, an unrelenting burden. It may not, you'll hear it occasionally come out when I'm preaching. If you're around me like the staff is, it's always on my heart. Why are we here? Why did God pour all of these resources? What's driving me? And as a church, I don't want this to get lost. Um, Second statement. Um, I have tried... um, All the other so-called man-made remedies of trying to bring shalom, a lot of different things in these 25, 30 years and I found them to be very, very ineffective and powerless to bring about lasting transformation. It don't work and so therefore this brings me to our text. the ministry of Jesus. That we see here in Luke, his inaugural ministry in Luke chapter 4. His ministry that he would bring into a broken world. Man, I was just this week, um, I say a broken world, met a young man, I'm not gonna mention his name, and he was walking. I felt the Spirit of the Lord said, Stop, pray for him, and stop, talk to him. Pray for him. He started crying. I said, man, what's going on? You just look like the world is on your shoulders. And I'm just, everybody around me dying, Pastor Alton. And I got into friends, and he was smoking a cigar or cigarette or something. I said, I didn't know you smoked those things. And he said, yeah, I just started. And um, just, I just prayed for him. And thinking about this text and and thinking about, you know, all of who Jesus is and just try to pray that reality into that young man's life. And we see in the text, Jesus has come into this broken world, a fallen world all around us. We all see it. A dark world. A world that we live in is very dark. It's a hurting world. Some of you today, you're of this world, the brokenness, the hopelessness of it. And so we see in our text, Jesus, this is this, he's, um, you can put the text back up here. It says, as he came to Nazareth, this is where Jesus grew up at, say, where he had been brought up, and they say Jesus was his custom, habits. His custom was to go to the synagogues, like for us, church, a place of worship, where you go and read the scriptures, hear the preaching, the sermons, and worship God. He went to the synagogue. It wasn't something he did every now and then. It was just part of his life, his custom. He would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he went there, and this was a sermon all in itself, Sandra and I had a meeting this week with a lady trying to think about urban hope development and some of the things we need to bring to it. But it it just caught me as I'm thinking about that. And he stood up to read. He stood up to read. You can just kind of read over that. Meaning he could read. He could read. Meet so many people in Fairfield, Birmingham, who cannot do just what Jesus did on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read. This is how important reading is. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. The Bible wasn't like what we have here. Scroll. You had to unfold it. So he unrolled the scroll. So he knew where he was where he was going, and he found the place where it was written. So he was he knew the scriptures, the Torah, the law of Moses, the Old Testament. Found it. And then in verse 18 it says, he says, in the spirit of the Lord, this God-man, he's 30 years old. We talked about in the Advent, he was born to come into the world, the Christmas story. And now he's 30. Now he's beginning his ministry, his earthly ministry. What did he do the first 30 years? Read the text, pray, study, Seek the face of his father. Didn't do anything to the left nor to the right without his father directing him. The scriptures and, the, and the history don't give us a lot what he did, but it's letting us know now what he's about to do and why he's been sent, the God-man, into the broken world. And he says, and the spirit of the Lord from Isaiah 61 is upon me, he said. The long-awaited Messiah, that the whole world in the Jewish mindset has been longing for, looking for, that God promised in Genesis 3, when the man and woman sin, God, said, I'm going to send the Messiah. He's now here and he's in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stands up, and he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah, and he has anointed me, the anointed one, to do what? This is where I, I didn't really understand this, I just wanted to help, I just wanted to help my kindred people tried a lot of things, but I didn't do this. I didn't do what Jesus did here. I, I, just, I tried a lot of self-help remedies, and, but I, I, didn't, I didn't do this. And, and I want us here at Urban Hope to understand why it is that we, we put a lot of emphasis on what I'm doing right now, the, the, the power of preaching. Because it says that he, he has been anointed by the Spirit of God. He came in. He said, I I am the one. He said, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He says, I have been anointed by God to proclaim good news to the poor. Proclaim word means to hell, to declare, to announce publicly it's, it's not a quietly done thing. It's to, it's to announce this, this good news. And this good news is the, is the gospel. The message of the kingdom of God and all how it relates to salvation to us and to mankind. Man, do we need to know the good news. The good news. The whole counsel of God. No, as Chad red? You know what's the chief end? That's a part of the good news that you've been made by God. That your chief end, your whole reason of living and existing, is to glorify God. You've been made by God. God is the one who has given you your hair texture. He's the one that has given you the color of your skin. He is the one who's given you every wrinkle, every smile, every hair, everything about you. God. Gave it to you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You've been made by a God who doesn't make junk. That's good news. Man, I I wish someone would have told me that in my early years. That I was made by this God who sits high, who created me in his image and in his likeness. And the first thing Jesus says, that I've been anointed to hell to the broken world. The good news. The kingdom of God. And then he says, this good news to the poor. This poor Reference here in this text, he refers to the poor of every kind. But here is especially, it's referencing the poor, the financial and economic poor, the, the beggars, the lame, the illiterate, the outcasts, they were everywhere. And as Rob um, Holt came from Covenant, And he talked about how Jesus became poor that we might become rich. And he talked about how Jesus' family here were poor. And Jesus went from couch to couch. He didn't have any place to lay his head. He was homeless. He had to live with his friends here and there. He didn't have a nice castle. He didn't have a nice home. He He had to sleep here. Hey, man, can I stay here tonight? Can I sleep on the couch here? He was a house to house king of kings. And when they went to the temple, they had to hit turtle doves because they didn't have the resources to be able to go buy a full-grown lamb. And so the poor, many of them were outcasts. Fell far, far away from God. But here the Messiah comes He says, my ministry is to declare and to herald to the poor the good news. And then he moves on, he says, that I've been sent from heaven above to the earth to proclaim, here again, preach is the word, Caruso, preach. I've been sent to proclaim, preach, Caruso, to those liberty, Why do we need liberty? What does this word mean, liberty? What does this mean? It means to be pardoned. It means to to know the forgiveness that only comes from God. And see, I had to find out the hard way that our greatest issue is not out there. I wish it was sometimes. I honestly do. That's why it takes so much work and it's so hard because we can fix out there. But we can't fix him here. That can only be fixed by the Messiah. He's the only one that can forgive us of our sins. So he's been sent to grant liberty, pardon, forgiveness to the captives. You feel captive today just bound? Things that you've done and you feel like you're still paying a price for it? Bound. This, this word captive, it, it, it means, technically, it means prisoners of war. But in a broader application, this word means many forms of spiritual bondage. What kind of spiritual bondage are you feeling and you're sitting under today? Are you feeling like something you did when you were 16 that no one knows? Whether or not, if you hear Pastor Chad say You've been pardoned, forgiven. That's what Jesus came to do. You know, I'm in a community, and, you know, this man, I'm, I'm all over the place, you know, you know here, particular to African American community. We have very high rates of abortion, very high rates. And it takes two to tangle. It includes the moms and the fathers that they would be. And you might know, people carry that stuff. Even though it was done when it was 18, they were at college. Now they're in their 30s. And they're still burning by that particular sin. That's the spiritual bondage. See, Egypt is the, it's the breeder of the trappings of the bondage that holds the people in bondage. And Jesus comes to give us liberty, to preach to us that God is a God who forgives. He's a God that pardons. That's why it takes preaching and teaching, preaching and teaching, preaching and teaching, preaching and teaching and teaching and exhorting that God is a God that forgives, that God is a God that wipes your sins away, that he's a God that pardons, that he is a God. You have to preach it. You gotta scream it out. You gotta herald it out. You gotta say it loud. Especially, especially in communities like Fairfield. So Jesus says, He comes to herald. There are all kinds of bindings, you see. There's drugs. Money, greed, lust, sex, you name it. And then he says he was the the recovery of the sight to the blind. This is both, this is where prosperity preachers and faith healers, like Benny here and them, come and let me open your eyes you can see. And God does And we read the text, Jesus, and we don't get into a story where he does this. But this is much more. This is the spiritual blindness. That's pretty, if you were to say to me, Pastor, what do you see in Fairfield? It's more of this. It's more of the, the blindness of not knowing the left hand from the right hand. Not knowing how to, not knowing the ways of God that leads to life. And so Satan is the dark lord. He he works in the domain of darkness. He's 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 the prince of darkness. He's the king of darkness. Darkness is his domain. So he loves to obscure the truth, the thing that brings life. So he's blinding the people so that people keep walking about, groping in darkness, doing the same thing day in and day out. But expecting a shalom, expecting a jubilee, expecting a transformation, but getting the same thing that grandma got, that big mama got, and your mama got, but expecting there to be a change. It's darkness. It's blindness. Jesus comes to recover. Recover. says he to set at liberty here again the same word to pardon grant forgiveness to those who are oppressed and this one really hit me you know the languages and the, the Greek and Isaiah calls it to bind up those who are the brokenhearted," And that may be you here today. That's why when Brena was singing, you see the presence of God. And there was, this is Jesus. He's the center of our home. He's the center of everything. I mean, it's, it's Jesus. It's, it's Jesus who's, who's he's, the, he's the foundation He's the anchor. He's he's everything. It's it's Jesus. Let's sit with him. It's it's, it's not the program. It's, it's It's not the government. It's not the right nor the left. It's Jesus. Jesus is above all of that. It's Jesus. He's the center. He's the foundation. He's the one that does what he says that I've been anointed. I'm the Messiah, and I've been sitting here departing you and us, those who are oppressed, meaning they're weak. You're just crushed in your spirit. Man, you know, we see that you hear me talk about it. I'm in a community where fatherlessness is just everywhere. Y'all hear me? It is everywhere. It is the most excruciating pain that our human heart can go through is to be abandoned. But an earthly father is beyond what appeal you can get from any doctor, any scientist. It is, it, is, it crushes you. It goes beyond how schools, are filled up with fatherlessness. Jesus says, I've been sent to forgive, and to pardon those who are broken, crushed in spirit, crushed. Those who are broken in pieces, their lives are just totally shattered by the circumstances of life. They have no way out. We're in a community where the sexual abuse is so abounding. And I'm being honest with you, sometimes i just like, God, i I'm trying to keep faith, and this is why God says, it ain't you that's want us to all carry this today. It's the one that prayed and was seeking the Shaler. It's Jesus if we can get them to Jesus. I, I may not be able to get them to the right counselor, and thank God for earthly counselors, but if we can get them to Jesus. If, we can get, if he says what he is, if we can get him, them to him, he is the one that says he will set at liberty those that have been crushed, abandoned, marginalized, thrown away. Jesus is the one. so therefore, we see Jesus is the one. And if you read the Gospel of Luke, you will see this about Jesus, this Messiah. You will see his ministry that he speaks of here in Luke 4. He's the anointed one. You see this ministry of Jesus playing itself out. Throughout the gospel of Luke. You see it throughout. The whole gospel. And I want to end you with this story. It's on the slide. From Luke 18. A poor beggar. Blind man. Um, and we see him here. He's a. A blind beggar. and Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem. The one in Luke 4. And there's, there's so much. Um, just gospel good news here. And it says as he drew near to Jericho. Jesus. A blind man. Was sitting by the roadside begging, asking for alms. He's blind, don't know his life. And hearing a crowd going by, he, he couldn't see, but he could hear. This is why this is important. <laughs> they may not see us, But I definitely want them to hear that what we proclaim here is a Jesus, who is the Jesus to look for, who comes to set the captives free. So, and he heard a crowd going by, because faith, according to Paul in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing. That's so why I, I try to get people here so they can hear the word about Christ and it germinate faith for them to believe. I had a young man call me. He's a pastor. I just need encouragement. I'm thinking about committing suicide. And he called me on Messenger. And it was about 10 o'clock, and I didn't want to answer my phone. i like, oh, come on. And he said, man, I need you, pastor. So, I have told you, you know, You want me to tell you when you need to turn your phone off and all that? I can't tell you that. All I tell you, he he called like five times through Messenger, and then he says, Pastor, I need you. And I'm like, okay, text him back. He said, I just need encouragement. He said, I'm thinking about I'm not thinking right. And I need you to just give me some words of the reason why I should keep trying to live. A person who struggled with drugs. He said, just tell me reason why I shouldn't end it. I'm just feeling like I just, you know. And so, I'm trying to get this Jesus to him that you see here in this story. And so, in hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth, the Luke 4, God-man, is Passing by, man, I love that. He, 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 he's, he's a, this God man. Uh, he's passing by you. He's passing by. And verse thirty-eight says, and he cried out. This Greek word, it's not. It's, 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 it's. This is Jesus. This is, this is, a, that's why I'm trying to get people to favor. No, I know you've experienced this rehab, that rehab, but I'm not talking about a rehab. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. It wasn't a rehab that healed me of my, of my fatherlessness. It was a Jesus. The Christ wasn't that. I'm Trying to get people, and he cried out. And this is going to lead into the communion field. Jesus is walking by. He's on his way to Jerusalem to take on our sins. He's making his way. But this blind man, he can't see, but he can hear. And he had been hearing that there's something about this Jesus. He's not like any other men. He's not like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious people, that there's something about this Jesus. And the word of God says, and he cried out. He knew the Old Testament because he knew. And he says, son of David, the word that God has promised. Jesus is moving, with the crowd, he cries out. And the next text says, and those that were in front, they rebuked him, telling him, shut up, quiet it down, be quiet. But the blind man, he had been hearing about this Jesus, but he cried out all the more. Jesus, son of David. See, I can't remember this time, Chris. I was thinking about this. Man, you know, I grew up fatherless. Man, the wound was so bad. I man, I, I, mean, I was just messed up. And I remember just crying out to God, please, you got to heal me, God. See, I get this story. get it. I'm I don't care. Only God can heal me. I didn't have no money to go see no counselor. I didn't have no family to go lay apart. All I had was that, Jesus, you're the Christ. And that man cried out all the more, son of David, the Messiah, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Lord. Pardon me for my sins. Come and heal me. And the word of God said, you got to catch this man. And Jesus stopped. <laughs> he stopped. And what we're trying to get Jesus to do it here in Fairfield, we're trying to get Jesus to stop <laughs> and see the groaning, see the aches and the pains, and see the, the brokenness that only he and he alone set us free from and he stopped and he commanded him to be brought to him. When he came near he asked him what do you want me to do for you? I want you to pause for a moment. Some of us are really broken. you hear this, Pastor. I want you to say as I'm hearing this and can I say in Jesus that stopped for this blind man and ask him what he wants. What are you asking for? What do you need Jesus to do? In your family? What drugs you're dealing with? What addictions and bondages that you've been bound with almost all your whole entire life? Depression, heartache, pain. I'm not talking about a man made Jesus. I'm talking about the one who came down, who walked into that synagogue and he says, I have been sent to give liberty to those who are captives, and who are oppressed. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me. verse says, and Jesus said to him, recover your sight, your faith has made you well. As we come to the Lord's table, here we see this story, this man, this blind man, He's a beggar. He's crying out for mercy. He's a son of God, have mercy on me. There's another story that's in Luke 18 it talks about a tax collector and a Pharisee. They both went into the temple to pray. The tax collector say, I'm, Lord, I'm not an extortioner. I'm not a bad person. I pay my tithe. I do this and that. And I'm not like him. (laughs) I'm a good guy. The tax collector was was like a contemporary drug dealer, bad person, seen by the people, taking and enforcing the taxes. IRS type people. Nobody likes IRS. So you work for IRS. (laughs) I got to deal with him now. I don't like IRS. Um, He's a tax collector. He comes in. He wouldn't even look up to God. Oh, he kept saying, Lord, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. I don't have nothing to offer. I'm a beggar. I need your mercy. And the word of God says, the tax collector went way justified. And the Pharisee, he wasn't. Because he didn't think he he needed anything. He had it all together. This meal is for the blind. mercy mill. It's to put in front of us that we were held captive by Pharaoh, Satan, the dark lord that kept us blinded. Bound by the myriad of sins that the human comes to us in this meal to remind us of his mercy and his grace. The good news. That's why I had Chad read it. The good news. Believe it. The good news is not that I could pull myself up out of fatherlessness. The good news is not that I could heal myself. The good news is that Christ comes to me and he stops and he sees that I am a beggar crying for mercy and he grants me mercy for my shame, for my guilt, and for my sin. He grants me liberty, a liberty that I cannot muster up through hard work and hard effort. It is the liberty that comes because he makes his way to the cross, dies, resurrects, ascends, and he said, "Now nah, do this in remembrance of me." And so, if you're needy, you're a beggar here today, and you know it. This meal is for you. It's for you. Doesn't matter if you did some crazy stuff last night, or even this morning, even before you came here. What matters is is that you understand and know the mercy of God for you. And you're not beating your chest like the tax collector, the uh, Pharisee guy says in this, Jesus, it says, For I received from the Lord, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, What I also delivered to you the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup. After supper, saying, the cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want to read these few extra verses that deals with this. He says, verse 27, for whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the the person examine himself then and also eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks the judgment on himself. So let him examine himself. Father, we prepare to receive this meal, as the elders come forward, I pray you will nourish our hearts here today as, and that you would heal, grant liberty to the oppressed, to the captives, that the gospel will be made more clear than ever before, do all these things by your Spirit. As we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come forward. do leads to the body of Christ. Crush, sweating drops of blood. But he says, "You know, some did he vacillate whether he was going to go through this?" we thank you that you meet us in the preaching of your word and also at the table of the sacraments where we're able to taste and see and know that you are a good God and that your promises stand to your feet and receive the benediction